Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time to take a look around the NFL with John McClain from gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610. Here's your boy Q. And we're coming live to you from the magical forest at Opportunity Village as we're preparing for an evening celebrating the champion Las Vegas Aces. Uh, Very excited about the opportunity that we're going to have this afternoon. But right now, excited about the next guest that we have on the phone line kicking off hour number two. That's the great John McClain from gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610. And, John, thanks so much for your time. And now that the draft is in the books, the Texans go and get C.J. Stroud and they get Will Anderson at the top of the draft. Were you surprised that they were able to double up and go and get pick number two and number three? Well, I think everybody was shocked, you. It just uh nobody had predicted it except the night before I was watching NFL Network and Daniel Mara Daniel Jeremiah, who I think is as good as there is as a draft analyst, he had the deal being made in his mock draft. He didn't report it as news and I thought, Well man, he's draining. I don't know where he came up with that one. And now Every time he has something on the Texans or Cardinals, I'm going to pay close attention because somebody told him they were going to make that trade. And I didn't believe it at the time. And so, as you can imagine, people here, including me, had been conditioned that they weren't going to take a quarterback. I had them taking Tyree Wilson with their first pick, and I had them with the 12th pick taking in the hooker. And I was wrong on both counts because I knew they loved Tyree Wilson. And I also knew they loved Will Anderson, but never thought they'd be able to pull it off. And what kills me is there's a lot of people have been negative about what they gave up. First of all, they traded a second-round pick this year and first- and third-round picks next year. They got back a fourth-round pick this year, and they still have first-, second-, third-round picks next year. So every time I've seen somebody be critical of what they gave up, they never mention what was included in the deal, only that they gave up the quarterback's ransom. Well, one reason you stockpile draft choices, they had 12 this year, 11 next year when they went in, is because you want to be able to move up, move down, and it gave them the flexibility to do it. They still had a second-round pick this year, so they went from 12 to 9 selections. People are excited. I have never heard reaction like I did. They had 7,000 fans at a place here uh, in town. The way the fans went crazy when they took Stroud and then when they traded back up and and took Will Anderson Jr., they they were like hysteria, mass hysteria, because there had been so little for the Texans to be excited about since they beat Buffalo in the wild card round in January of 2020. So, as you can imagine, people here are really fired up. It's the only time the Astros have lost some of their thunder to the Texans since 2019. John McClain is our guest from gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610 here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So C.J. Stroud is the guy. I was convinced that he was going to get right past Houston and there was going to be a bunch of teams that are trying to bid for that number three spot to go get him. What are your expectations for Stroud now that he is in Houston and, in fact, the Texans quarterback? It's strange. I will it's amazing how they all talk about they don't draft for need. They draft the best athlete. That's BS. The Texans' four biggest needs to you are quarterback, edge rusher, wide receiver, and center. And that was their first four picks. And um, 
I thought that Tennessee was going to try real hard. I knew they were trying real hard to trade up with Arizona to get Stroud if the Texans passed him up. And at the time, a lot of people thought they would, but they didn't. And, of course, Tennessee got Will Levis Jr. in the second round. It's very interesting in the AFC South that you have those quarterbacks, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, and uh, uh, C.J. Stroud, and Trevor Lawrence going into his third season as the old man of the group as far as starters. So uh, I thought a lot of teams were trying to trade up with Arizona, and I'm sure a lot of them were talking to them. And uh, I thought it was great for the AFC South, which has been bad for a long time. They have three young quarterbacks, and I assume Stroud will start from day one. Yeah, there's a lot of young quarterbacks now in the AFC South. Should be a fun division to watch just to see how those guys mature. Again, John McClain is our guest, GalleriesSports.com, Sports Radio 610 in Houston. DeMond's got one for you. Go ahead, DeMond. Yeah, I want to keep it on the AFC South for just a little bit. Were you surprised that Will Levis wasn't the pick at four? Because I thought it was all set in stone that he was the guy for Indianapolis. No, I had him going. A lot of people said he was the guy for Indianapolis. I bought into it. I had never mock draft. I did seven. I had him going in the first round. I didn't see any that had him going in the second round. And uh, it's like Michael Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame. Not one mock draft I'd ever seen not have him going in the first round. That was great value. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get a guy that everybody thinks is a first-round talent in the second round. But Levis, I think that's an ideal place. The Titans tried to trade back into the first round to get him. The price was too high. Everybody knew at the bottom of the first round they were trying to trade back to get a quarterback, either Levis or Hendon Hooker. And so finally they were able to make the deal for the third pick in the second round. And Levis uh, should be really happy to go there. He's got Ryan Tannehill last year this contract. I'm guessing if Tannehill doesn't get hurt, that uh, it's only a matter of time, probably nine or Ten games into the season, he'll get to play the rest of the season, and they'll get to show what they got. And, Will, and uh, Malik Willis, it's uh, pretty obvious to everyone now what they think of him, and that wasted third-round pick last year. Something else I want to talk to you about is you're an encyclopedia when it comes to NFL knowledge. <laughs> Can you remember a time when a team strategy, strategy is just, hey, we'll take the best players from the national championship team because that's what it looks like the Eagles are doing? <laughs> Well, first of all, a lot of people had had Eagles take on Jalen Carter if he fell that far. I didn't think he'd fall that far. I never thought he'd fall by the Bears at night, and then the Bears allowed them to take him. Now, a lot of teams passed up on Jalen Carter, Mm -hmm. and the reason was is he's got off-the-field issues. He's overweight. He uh, he doesn't put out all the time. He's a one-year starter. He's got incredible ability, and they think because they have veterans – like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, they can straighten him out, playing with his former teammate Jordan Davis, first-round pick last year and first-round pick this year in Noah Smith. So he's in the perfect spot. But I'm guessing I saw a great thing on the Internet. Somebody had a picture of Kirby Smart. and It said Eagles director of football operations. (laughs) (laughs) That is good. That's all. Did you guys see the most emotional thing I think I've ever seen in the draft. And I'm a sucker for when players and coaches and their families, they start crying and get so emotional. C.J. Stroud cried, all the, mm-hmm. 
all the pressure off, lifted off his shoulders, everybody questioning his intelligence. But the thing where the Cowboys' assistant director of scouting, yep. uh, Duzlon's daddy, when they showed him the war room, told him that they were taking his son, and he just bawled like a baby, and everybody's pounding him on the back, and he went and hugged Jerry Jones, Mike McCarthy, and, and Stephen Jones, and then they let him call his son Deuce and tell him that he's coming to the Cowboys. That was one of the best things I've ever seen. I'd have been, hey, I'd have been crying like a baby, too. <laughs> if I had the opportunity to pick my son at anything, <laughs> I would be just like that, John. I'd be crying like a baby. That was fantastic. I was. I, was, I just wish it hadn't been over the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> John, you're right there, too, but also Deuce Vaughn rooting for him. You know, got to give a shout-out to my, sh- my fellow uh, Short King. So Deuce Vaughn rooting <laughs> for him at the next level, you know, proving that those guys 5'5 five, five and under, he we can get it done. He like Darren Sproles. Who came from Kansas State is a returner. You get him the ball in space. You don't make him run between the tackles. I think Deuce Vaughn's going to play a while because I watched him play a lot in the Big 12. He was a heck of a player, and I don't care if he is 5'5". Sometimes those little guys are like gnats, and you can swat at them, but you never get a good hit on them. John, I'm not asking you to grade any teams and say who had the best draft, but are there teams that stand out more to you than others where you say, I really like the players that they selected? Well, on uh, gallerysports.com, which is free, 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 I have my grades that I posted yesterday, and I gave two A-pluses, one to, let's see, Philadelphia and uh, Seattle. Seattle, I thought, for a second year in a row, had a great draft. Last year, they had one of the greatest drafts in history, at least after one season. You got a great corner. You got two starting offensive linemen, really good running back. They had made that trade with, for Russell Wilson, and they got, they got a haul out of that, including tight end Noah Fant, former number one pick. So they need to fortify their defense. And I just thought they did a great job. And, and, and they haven't always. That's the first time they've taken a defensive back in the first round since like 06. And you think, well, they're, you know, they're the Legion of Boom. They must have been drafting those guys high. No, they didn't use first round picks to get those guys to go to back to back Super Bowls. But I was really impressed with them. I thought the Texans had a tremendous draft. I think I gave two A pluses and about five A's. There you go. I'm not mad at that at all. John McClain is our guest. Sports sports gallery. No, sports radio. I'm combining everything you got going on, John. you got too many things going on. Gallerysports.com. <laughs> sports Radio 610 is the great John McClain with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I did want to ask you about Tyree Wilson. Obviously, you, you saw him in the Big Ten or Big 12. He's at Texas Tech. He was a, a really good player for Coach Joey McGuire. He's now a Raider. You mentioned Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. That was the first two picks. What did you think of those first two picks for the Silver and Black? Well, by the way, I gave the Raiders an A minus. There you go. And I, after studying Tyree Wilson, because I thought he was coming here, and he got better. He started off Texas A and M, went to Texas Tech. He's six six. He's two seventy. He's got the wingspan of a seven forty seven. He's a hard worker. He's a great guy. And the only problem was he broke his foot mm-hmm. in November. Now, he says he's going to be ready for camp. I'm sure he'll be brought along slowly. People will be impressed with him. And I know the Texans really liked him. But it was hard not to take Will Anderson, Jr., because he's the highest-rated defensive player. Some had him as the highest-rated player. And then Mayer just – I'm flabbergasted. Mayer was available there. 
And uh, Byron Young and Trey Tucker and Corian Bennett were three other picks that impressed me. Of course, they got the quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, but uh, Tyree Wilson, I don't know what he'll be able to do early since he is coming off major surgery, but it's only a matter of time. And I'll tell you what, you can't double-team both defensive ends. So if they're doubling Max Crosby, and they will, because he's got the pelts on the wall, then that's going to help Tyree Wilson get a lot of sacks. Yeah, I agree 100%. I'm excited about what he brings to the table. And, John, I wanted to ask you a question about guys that are already in the league, and particularly in the linebacker position. May 1st was the date that you had to have the fifth-year option picked up. Five linebackers drafted in the first round in 2020, all of them got their fifth-year option declined, similar to what Josh Jacobs was last year with the Raiders where he got his fifth-year option declined. Is that position just losing more and more value in the NFL each and every year? Unless you're in a 3-4 and those linebackers rush the passer, uh, off-ball linebackers, if you're running a 4-3, the linebackers don't blitz a lot unless you decide you have one and you drop it down. But most of the time, they're supposed to hit against the run, then they get pulled. Sometimes they stay in, but it's hard for them. And it's, uh, you know, it starts, everything's about the quarterback. You know, who protects the quarterbacks, the tackles? The quarter, left tackle protects the blind side. Well, who comes after the quarterbacks, the defensive ends, the pass rushers? And then who covers the receivers, the corners? Those are the ones making all the money now, except on rare occasions. And uh, if you can find a space eater in the interior defensive line who can push the pocket, like a guy that has talent like Jalen Carter, you know, if he if he puts out in the NFL, he could be such a force. Mm-hmm. Had to be doubled on every play. And I like the way the Eagles have built their team with their offensive and defensive lines. And uh, so those those fit if. You, Say you've got a guy that plays his butt off like Jacobs, and if if uh, you just can't reach a contract agreement, if he's bitter because you didn't pick up that fifth-year option you want to keep him, hey, just franchise it. John, who's under more pressure after both teams placated to these guys all summer, it feels like, Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson? Hmm. Well, Aaron Rodgers has a new team, and the Packers have moved on. They drafted all these receivers and tight ends that they never would do for Aaron Rodgers. And Jordan Love, you can need all the help he can get. And they just worked out an extension for him uh, and and didn't have to pick up the fifth-year option. And uh, Rodgers is under more pressure because he's in New York. It's a new team. Everybody up there is all giddy because he's going to help them go to the Super Bowl. Well, they play in a really tough division as far as Lamar Jackson you know he's back with his team they just like to see him be able to finish the season you know all the games he's missed the last two seasons have been in December so they want him to be they knew he was going to come back and play on the franchise tag at the least and he came to his senses realizing he wasn't going to get a fully guaranteed contract very smart for him very good for them and if if they decide they want to extend him with one year left on this bill He'll be 29 years old. He could sign another extension. He might sign an extension beyond that. Can you imagine what the quarterbacks are going to be getting in <laughs> four years from now? 
Right. That's incredible. And it's, it's so funny, John. I was in Kansas City uh, for the draft, and so I'm there on Thursday, and it felt like it was almost a news dump. Like, oh, by the way, Lamar Jackson signed this contract extension. It almost felt like it wasn't even that big of a deal when it happened on that Thursday afternoon. We might look back in five years from now after Joe Burrow's been done and Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence, and we may, and by then Deshaun Watson, if he's playing well, is going to need an extension. Patrick Mahomes deserves the biggest ever. We may look back and say, remember when Deshaun Watson got that paltry $230 million guarantee? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's funny because it's going to happen. Like, we laugh at it now, but it's going to happen at some point. Well, John, great stuff as always, my man. What do you got coming out? GalleriesSports.com, Sports Radio 610. We should be on the lookout for I've got my grades on gallerysports.com. I've got columns on there. I have a weekly video I do with Mattress Mac in which we kick around what's going on in sports. And, of course, we did a lot on the draft and on uh, on my station's website, sportsradio610.com, which is also free, free, free. I've got multiple columns. All right, well, thank you. Damon, thank you very much. I look forward to talking to you guys next week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. John McClain, gallerysports.com, Sports Radio 610. We've got to invite him and Mattress Mac to come to the studio. You know, we've got to invite them both. John loves to be in Vegas. His wife loves to be in Vegas. Mattress Mac, why wouldn't he want to be in Vegas, right? He's always putting out the big bets out there. We've got to invite them all out, uh, have them in studio, hanging out with us, just kind of do a Q&A with uh, John McClain and Mattress Mac. That should be a fun conversation. We'll put that together. We'll make that work. 317 is the time. Many thanks to John McClain. We do appreciate him for his efforts. And, again, we are here at the Magical Forest at the Opportunity Village. It's a celebration for the LV Aces, the champions. Uh, they're going to start defending their championship pretty soon. They've got the brand-new facilities right there in Henderson next to the Raiders facility. Uh, they're ready to go. They're ready to rock and roll, and it's going to be a fun event out here this evening. Myself and, of course, Cofield and company are here. Willie Ramirez is representing our sister station ESPN Las Vegas. We've come together on this one. Nice little collaboration, and uh, we're, we're just here uh, waiting for the celebration to begin, and uh, we'll tell you all about that on the uh, on the other side of things. And, of course, we got some sound bites from Peter King, who was on with the morning tailgate, to get to as well. We want to hear from you uh, on top of that, too. 702-365-9200-69187, keyword R&R. That is the double broke.com text line this is radio nation radio 920 you're listening to unnecessary roughness with your boy q on raider nation radio 322 is the time we're here at the magical forest at opportunity village celebrating the las vegas aces just saw my good friend donna oglesby former raiderette walk past me she's now a member of the high rollers they're actually gonna be performing tonight we'll see if we can Maybe sneak her on the air in a little bit, see if she walks back by. I think that they were warming up or practicing their performances. I'm looking at these signs, and, man, it is windy out here. Let's, let's make no mistake about it. I don't know if earlier when John McClain was on, you heard the trains that were going behind us. I thought that was a nice little uh, effect. But the wind is blowing like no other. Mateo pointed out to me, and he, he just kind of now it's stuck in my head, and I can't get rid of it. He said, someone's allergies are going to be bad tomorrow. With all this wind and the pollen, someone's allergies are going to be all bad. And I thought, damn, that's going to be me. <laughs> I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be laying in bed tonight sneezing. And it's going to be because of the wind out here, which is okay. We're still out here, like I said, having a really good time. But we're looking at some of these signs. We have nice pop-up signs, and we have them for the radio stations as well. We had to put one of ours away because it was just no way it was going to stay up in these winds. Uh, so I'm looking, at, I'm looking at these big LV Aces signs that are great. Member Fest, Scan for Event Map. Like, it's, they're perfect, and, and they're pretty much – I guess taped up to the wall or taped up to the railing. So they should, in theory, stay. 
But when this wind gets blowing, man, you just never know how it's going to shake out. So we're here. Uh, we'll be up here until 5 o'clock, but this event is going to go on uh, all the way up until 8.30 this evening. There's going to be players on site from 5.30 to 7 o'clock. So uh, this should be a real fun event uh, for season ticket holders of the Las Vegas Aces, and they have the most season ticket holders in the WNBA. Think about that. That's what happens when you're the 2022 world champions. And, oh, by the way, you bring back a roster that's even more stacked than your team was last year. I can't wait to see the Aces and uh, New York go up against each other. The Liberty, I can't wait to see them square off because I think both teams have really, really stacked rosters. But uh, at some point throughout the course of the season, we'll talk to Coach Hammond. We'll talk to Asia Wilson. We'll get some Candace Parker time. We'll, we'll get multiple players, Chelsea Gray, uh, Kelsey Plum. We'll get all the young ladies on the show and, of course, the head coach as well that, oh, by the way, has interest from the Toronto Raptors to be the head coach. Think about that. How cool is that? What a tip of the cap to Becky Hammond. She's got the Toronto Raptors interested in her being the head coach there, as they should. They should have uh, interest in her being a head coach there in San Antonio, but you just can't run pop out of town, <laughs> right? You just can't do it. So there's that. But we'll get back to the LV Aces in just a little bit. Do the question out there on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r What's the biggest roster question you have about the Raiders at this point currently? Knowing what you know about the draft, knowing what you know about the undrafted free agents, knowing what you know about free agency, where is it at right now? My man P.E. in North Carolina, it's always good to hear from him. He said, yo, Q, it's got to be right tackle. As we saw last year, this position derailed our season and will do so again if it's not addressed. And we've had a lot of people chime in and still have that concern about the offensive line. And I'm not going to lie, man, I was super concerned going into last year and even though it took a while for them to develop and get better, they did eventually get better. Again, I felt like it was a little too late, but they did get better, especially in the run blocking, as we saw what they were able to help Josh Jacobs do and lead the league in rushing. I would love to see them come out of training camp just feel like a real solidified unit where there won't be calls and texts about the, the right tackle position, the right guard. And, and P.E. knows, and Raider Nation knows, you know, anyone who's been a fan of the team for a long time, for some reason, that right side has always been a turnstile. You know, for the longest, it was always you have to get your best player at that left tackle position. But now across the league, you're seeing the bookends. They both are so important. Both bookends get a lot of money, right, the left tackle and the right tackle. They're both paid really well. And I remember when the Raiders signed Trent Brown to that free agent money deal, and they're like, why would you pay a right tackle, left tackle money? Now you look across the league, and you're seeing everybody get paid. Right? You're seeing all the, the tackles, left tackle and right tackle. You know why? Because you have edge rushers coming off of both edges, not just one. They're coming, they're screaming off both edges, and you've got to have that solidified offensive line. So I'm hoping that, one, they either feel really good and confident about the guys they have in the locker room, which I do believe that they, they feel good about that. I know that there was interest in Paris Johnson from, uh, from Ohio State, so he probably could have solidified that right tackle position. He just wasn't available. Right, The Cardinals went and, and traded up to number six and jumped in front of the Raiders to go get him. So he wasn't available. They might have taken him at number seven, or they might have you know, stuck with Tyree Wilson. But uh, whatever the case may be, they didn't have an opportunity since Arizona did that. Speaking of the draft and what the Raiders were able to do, and P.E., thank you so much for that text. I do appreciate you. Of course, Raider Nation, you can chime in at any point of the show that you want at 702-365-9200. We don't have another guest until 4 o'clock when Trevor Lane from LakersNation.com joins us to talk about the Lakers and the Warriors as they tip off this evening around 7 o'clock. But uh, here is Peter King. He was in the Raiders' war room for day one, for night one, Thursday night. And he's talking about how things got interesting at number five. Not at number seven, but they got interesting at number five. And it has to do with the Raiders as well. But, again, this is all from a Raiders' point of view as he was in the war room with the Silver and Black on Thursday night. When, when the number five pick was on the board, uh, the Arizona Cardinals uh, and John Schneider was not going to trade. Um, 
at number five. Seattle was not going to trade. So uh, Monty Asenforth, the Arizona general manager, was talking to uh, was talking to the Raiders at seven and the Lions at six. And as I wrote in my column, you know, it was they were kind of excited. The Raiders were when they heard that the uh, the Cardinals wanted to trade back up from twelve either to six or to seven because I believe if they could have reached an agreement there, the Raiders could have lived with a guy who they really liked, Anton Harrison, who ended up going twenty seventh. And, you know, again, who knows? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. We all thought Will Levis was going four, and he went 34 or whatever it is he went. But, but the, the point I was going to make is once Arizona found, you know, and they thought all along, Arizona thought all along that Paris Johnson might get picked by the, uh, you know, by the Raiders if they traded with the Raiders. Uh, and so they knew that they had to, if, or if they didn't make this trade, mm-hmm. so they knew that they had to get ahead of the Raiders. And that's why Arizona ended up trading up to number six with Detroit rather than number seven, because I think if it came down to it, there's a good chance the Raiders would have sat there at seven and taken either Paris Johnson or Tyree Wilson. So there you go. That's the great Peter King. He was on with the morning tailgate this morning around 7.20. Vinny Bonsignor, Clay Baker, and Lindsey Brown did a fantastic job on the interview. And you heard right there, right? I mean, the Raiders were really down to Tyree Wilson, Paris Johnson Jr., right? Obviously, uh, there was conversations leading into the, Brown, uh, into the, to the draft about an offensive lineman. A lot of people, including myself, thought that that was leaning more Peter Skaronsky. There's some people that, you know, report on whatever and just kind of throw stuff against the wall that said there was never – an offensive lineman was never a consideration. Clearly that's false, <laughs> right? So, obviously, offensive lineman wasn't a consideration. And I know a lot of people don't want to see that and hear that. And I even said that, you know what, coming out of round one with the offensive lineman probably would have been disappointing. But going back to P.E.'s comments and many other comments on the don'tbebroke.com text line is what's the big concern? Well, still the right, te- right side of the offensive line. So, you know, as much as some people might not have wanted to hear it. And like I said, I was, I was part of that. I was in that conversation of, yeah, you could probably get offensive lineman later on. Well, Paris Johnson went earlier, and there really wasn't a whole lot of options that the Raiders liked outside of, you know, who they had on their board. And one went number six overall, and one went, like you said, number 27 overall, the young man out of Oklahoma who, uh, Damon, we had on the uh, on what, on Wednesday right before the draft? No, on Thursday. Was it Thursday or Wednesday when we had Blair Kirkhoff on talking to Kansas City Chiefs, and he actually picked the offensive lineman from uh, – from Oklahoma and said, yeah, that, that'll be the, the, the Chiefs pick at 31. Yeah, that was Thursday. Oh, my wish crack. That, that was Thursday as we were leading <laughs> up right until the draft. I told you, I don't know what's going on with your voice, but it is what it is. So, yeah, so that he ended up going uh, number 27 overall, and it sounds like the Raiders had interest in him as well. So, you know, th- those were the guys that, that they looked at, and then, of course, they went and signed a couple as undrafted free agents. So we'll get to back to some more sounds from Peter King as he uh, appeared on the morning tailgate this morning. But before we do that, let's go out to the phone lines at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to Raider Jay in Monterey representing that 831. Welcome to the show, my man. How you doing? Hey, what up, Q? Hey, thank you for taking my call, brother. It's been a long time. I've been listening to you now. I I haven't called your show. I've talked to Clay and the crew in the morning, Big Chenzo. Hey, I miss Heidi in the morning, but uh, Lindsay is balling out right now. Um, so get after it, girl. Um, hey, thanks for taking my call, Q. Thank you, Damon. Listen, 
I know you got Monterey roots too, by the way, or yep. seaside roots. You got seaside roots. Seaside, right? baby. Seaside represent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else, you? Hey, I want to. I want to get in touch with you on the side about some things at some point. But listen, okay. You know, everybody's talking about Skaronsky as the, as the pick. It was never never was Skaronsky, if I'm getting his name right. For me, it had to be Paris Johnson. Mm-hmm. Look, you, you need to have intelligence on your line and. If a kid graduates at Ohio State, if he gets his Buckeye degree in three years and concurrently learns Mandarin, you, you sign that kid. You sign that guy. And it's incredibly challenging as a language. I speak a couple, a few actually. But, but yeah, that's what's up. Paris Johnson should have been the number one pick. I would have loved to have him. It's boring, but we needed that, right? Yeah. Um, but, hey, listen, getting to your question about the, the roster spot, Bro, it's got it. Look, no disrespect. I can't wait to see Divine blow up. I can't wait. There's nothing I want to see more than Diablo healthy, just killing it as he showed in in glimpses that he could last year, right when he was mm-hmm. on the field. But there's that you know that availability is your yep. best ability thing. And I mean, the kid's a stud. He's built for it, right? He, he, to just be wrecking in there. He's fast. He's. I mean, but let's see it. I can't wait. And uh, is it Bernie or Bernay? Oh, I yeah, Bernie. Amari, Amari Bernie, but, linebacker out of Florida. But, yep. You know, I'm, I think we're going to get a, a lot more juice out of this Amari than the other one. <laughs> nice. um, it was flatline. How do you let Pac-Man do you that way? How do you even just let – how do you take that? I don't know. That's Amari true. lost me that day. Amari lost me that day, but, you know, more power to him and his new in direction. But, yeah, so it's got to be the linebacker spot. I look, uh, I'm excited about Mas- uh, Masterson taking another step forward. Um, I'm excited about, uh, oh boy, we signed in the middle because he, he just looks like a, he looks like that guy. He kind of reminds me of Beaker and that kind of, you know, flat line. Yeah, I, I play ball. I'm going to crush in the middle. Yeah. Hopefully, I can't remember his name. Spillane, Robert Spillane. Spillane, yeah, yeah. The name even sounds like it, right? He's natural. Yeah. Right. Guy. Sign this guy. But I think it's got to be the linebacker spot. Um, it's got to be. But anyway, that's my, that's, my, that's my two cents. Hey, pleasure talking to you. Thanks for taking my call. Get after it, Nation. Let's go. There you go. That's my guy. That's Raider Jay in, in Monterey repping that 831. And, yeah, I got to make a trip out there, man. I got I to gotta get a quick weekend getaway, get out to the Monterey uh, area, go out there where Pebble Beach is, chill out there on the, you know, on the wharf and everything, check out the seaside, check out the old digs for a quick minute, and then get up out of there because, well, it's expensive out there. <laughs> so I, I don't have that kind of payroll uh, to be able to hang out there too long. But uh, that's, a, that's a beautiful uh, part of the country. So I definitely want to make my way out there sooner rather than later but the linebacker position is what he's talking about and you know there's there's a lot of good questions I mean Amari Bernie if he can go and be that guy and it's funny I've been talking about him quite a bit and I, I said that he was you know a one-year uh, position at the linebacker he's actually a one-year starter so I, I I was I was off on that a little bit uh he, he he became a linebacker after one year as a safety at Florida but he was a one-year starter at Florida and he still had some really good production last year I mean you, you're talking about a guy who had four sacks a guy who had two interceptions two forced fumbles I mean he, he has production Again, that's the word and that's the phrase that I've been – how I've been categorizing this whole draft class for the Raiders. Guys with production that have room to grow and get better. They haven't, they haven't topped out at where they're going to be. They, you can see that they have room to grow as long as they put in the work. And for the most part, it sounds like all these guys 
uh, they have that work ethic to go and get better. And uh, anyone who knows me knows I'll always root for a guy that's got that work ethic to, to have the opportunity to get better. And I do believe that's what, uh, that's what these guys, these, this crop of new Raiders that were drafted, have that opportunity. So uh, we'll see what he brings to the table. Masterson, Butler, those are some guys that signed as undrafted free agents last year. Spillane, I mentioned it the day that he met with us at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. He just seems like a football player. All right, he talks like a football player. He walks like a football player. He just looks like a dude that's like, okay, I just want to go play football. Like if he's standing here where we're at right now, even though it's concrete, he'd be like, let's hit somebody. Let's play football. Right? He's that, he's that dude. Right? He's that dude that you used to go to school with that you're like, there's only one thing he can do in life, and that's play football. There's nothing else. You know, he might be a wrestler too, but you know that that's a football player regardless. And, and he doesn't care about anything else. Hey, dude, we don't have a helmet for you. That's fine. No big deal. He's the guy that they made the helmet rule. Like, you can't play. You have to stop if your helmet pops off because that dude would just keep playing. He would just keep running. Like, there's no doubt. That's how I describe Robert Spillane. He's just an absolute football player. He's a guy that can stop the run, but he's a little suspect in coverage. So uh, maybe not even a little suspect, maybe a lot suspect. So they've got to be able to get a guy, and that's where a guy like Bernie comes in uh, who's, who's, who's better in coverage, guy who said he's got the best hands. He had the best hands at Florida. Right, and you're talking about a linebacker, not a wide receiver. You're talking about a, a linebacker saying, hey, I got the best hands at Florida. So thank you, uh, Raider J, for that call. I do appreciate it. Let's go back out to the phone lines real quick. Let's talk to my guy, Raider X. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Fella. Hey, man, I'm doing solid, just like that draft. Nice. Solid, man. We got, we got workers, brother. We got workers. And, and you know what? Uh, you've been hitting on all my – still in my thunder while I've been sitting around holding. <laughs> That's exactly what I've been saying, man. <laughs> It's just workers, 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 and they all have upside. But uh, talking about that middle, bro, is um, the linebackers. You know, I think that's the common theme. It's all about the linebackers, but it seems like we have a great mix of all because I want to pick on a player that I specifically want you to do a deep dive on, okay. and that Chris, that's Christopher Smith coming from Georgia. Yeah. And if, and if you look at that guy, he is like a train, and I mean it in a, in a point of, you know, not the obvious, he's building steam. He is building steam over the last couple of years. I mean, he is, his tackles are improving. He's leading that, that team. He is, you know, constantly, you know, what is it, three to four interceptions to, uh, the year before, and then yeah. this year he consistently still improving. I mean, and that guy, again, good hands, and he sits back. Not the fastest guy, not the strongest guy, not the biggest guy, but he's reading plays. They say he's always, in, you know, in the right place at the right time. This is, you know, again, they're bulking up, you know, and – um you know, just kind of give me some insight. I'm over here in L.A., and I got some dudes that, that hang out over at USC, and I guess they're hearing from Paulo Mao, uh, last yeah. year's safety. They're saying that the dude's around 230 right now, that he's bulking up. Mm. So that's pretty cool. You know, maybe, you know, maybe he slides into that box safety, or maybe the, you do find a light linebacker that gives us a little bit of coverage. Because he started put, getting on, you know, looking pretty damn good at the end of the season when he started getting some burn. You know, again, that that could be really something, and they start getting that coverage. But I want to kind of, you know, flip the, uh, you know, switch the script a little bit and talk about, you know, uh, McDaniel's, you know, and, and Ziegler, you know, putting them their guys, mm-hmm. you know. And we talk about, you know, the changes in, you know, Renfro and Trey Tucker, you know, they they we saw those games where they started crowding the line and we couldn't get rid of that ball and make those fast decisions. And I think that's where you start getting that Trey Tucker because. You know, they, you know, get in really quick, quick in space, break free, get off that line and, and get that quick catch and then make something, get that yak. You know, uh, you know, Renfro, really great, really slippery, sure hands, but he, he seems like a freelancer. You know, you need that time for it to develop. 
and that was Jimmy G where they said, get rid of get rid of the ball quick, get rid of the ball quick. And that's also that Purdue quarterback, you know, that's what they're, they're, they're saying, that quick decisions, getting the ball quick, putting it to your location. You know, th- so you see these type of players that they're putting out there. Now, did they did they get the guy, the lineman? No, but they did get, you know, Mayer. That's like a little guard. Yeah. The dude is a stud. So he's going to help out. Those are some serious check blocks. You know, Moreau was a good blocker, but I think Mayer is going to put it up another level. And then plus that, he can slip out and also be a, a tight end or receiver. So you don't know if you're going out for, you know, a nice little run, a little extra protection, or going out for the run. You're going to keep these offense, these defenses just guessing like all all day, man, every day. This is going to be crazy. That offense, if they keep it intact, you know, which doesn't seem likely, but, man, this is going to be interesting. And that defense, like, like, like you're preaching it, bro, there's going to be so much diversity. You know, it's going to be some hard cuts. When they get down, when they get down to some roster cuts, because we got some talent and it's deep, you know, you don't want to see that those string, those first stringers, be just so, you know supreme, and then all of a sudden your second stringer, you're like, damn man, right. <laughs> you know, you might be that couch dude, you know, it should be a slow drop off until that guy actually becomes healthy again. It should be a little drop because there's a reason why he's a starter, but it should be you know, you know, one A, you know, one and one A or one B. But, you know, not that one and all of a sudden a four. Like, right. damn, man, hurry up, man. <laughs> Let's get you in the game. But, uh, you know, I just I keep up the great work, man. You keep us informed. And you make us, you know, it's a healthy conversation because, you know, we truly uh, love the feedback. So appreciate you, Demond, and you. Keep up the good work. I appreciate you. There goes Raider X right there. Good stuff. And, yeah, that's the thing about uh, Mayer, man. He, he's a really good blocker as well. That, that is what is the key, and that's the one thing that I, mean, I know it used to drive Lincoln Kennedy crazy is that he said Darren Waller is not a good blocker, and I don't want to take anything away from Darren. Fantastic player, right? I, I wish him nothing but the best. But he just he struggled. He tried to improve his blocking. We'd see him out at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. He'd be working off to the side on blocking, but sometimes if it just doesn't come natural to you, it's just that much more difficult. Mayer is a, is a natural blocker. So you won't have to see Thayer Munford out there as the sixth offensive lineman. You won't have to see him out there as a glorified tight end, which you know he's just an offensive lineman that's never going to get a ball thrown his way. Going back to Raider X's point, Mayer will be out there, and he can block. He can block his tail off, and then also he's a threat in the passing game. You know, and, and again, I don't want to just because he rocks the number 87. I don't even, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to put the Gronk title on him. I don't even want to put the Casper title on him, even though, you know, he's, he's a member of the Silver and Black and it's the same number, same school, because he's got to earn that. But he has an opportunity to go out there and be a special player. He really does. I, I was pretty pumped up about that selection in uh, round number two. And again, if they keep moving the chains, what happens? The clock is moving. The clock is moving. So you keep the defense off the field. That helps your defense as well. you got to keep the clock moving. So I think that Mayer is going to really provide a nice spark for this Raiders offense and be able to play multiple roles. Uh, so Vegas Pete said Mayer is a great blocker. I bet he's next to the right tackle. I agree with that. And then he also said don't forget Diablo is back too at linebacker. And Diablo's got to stay healthy. He's similar to uh, Nate Hobbs. He's got to be able to stay healthy. Uh, I wanted to see him continue to mature. I thought he had opportunity last year. And because he got cut short, due to injury. Trayvon Merrick is another guy. You brought up Chris Smith. He's a guy that I think at some point is going to push Merrick, right? I mean, because he has ball production. He had three interceptions last year. He had three interceptions the year before at Georgia. He comes from a winning program, won the national championship back-to-back years. He knows what it looks like. He's not the, the best tester. I think he ran like a 4.65, but he plays a lot faster than that. Certain guys, they don't test well. 
as far as straight line, 40 speed, this, that, and the other, cone drill, all, you know, all of those. Some guys are great at that, and they can't play worth the salt, but they're great workout warriors. Certain guys aren't good at the workouts and all the testing, and they're great when it comes to the lights are on and it's time to play football, right? That's who Chris Smith is. Uh, now, he's been, he was burned a few times uh, deep at Georgia. That's something that he's going to obviously have to improve on, but uh, he's going to have the opportunity to make that happen. And, again, with the ball skills that he has, six interceptions in two years uh, isn't a, a, a mistake, right? Like, like the one guy told me, oh, it's just in the right place at the right time. No, no, it's more than that. It has some skill there. And also being in the right place at the right time has some skill. I look at Chris Smith, and then we'll take a break. I look at Chris Smith and I think of Deron Harmon, a young Deron Harmon. What Deron Harmon brought to the table last year for the Silver and Black, being in the right place at the right time because of film study, knowing what alignments are, are, are about, being able to play fast, even though Deron was older uh, in his career. I think that Chris Smith has an opportunity to grow into that. Will he be that day one? Sure. No, he won't, right? That's not, that's not, gonna, that's not a, a real deal possibility. But he has the opportunity to grow into that, and that's what I like. 344 is the time. We'll come back. We'll hear some more from Peter King. Plus, we'll hear some more from you at 702-365-9200. We're here side-by-side side with ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station. We're at the Magical Forest at Opportunity Village. Folks are rolling in with their Aces gear on. I'm seeing an Aces basketball that's about to be autographed. I'm seeing people ready to take pictures. They are getting ready. They're getting fired up. They're excited about the next season of Aces basketball. We'll talk about that as well. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Trevor Lane, LakersNation.com, is going to join us at the top of the hour talk about the Lakers and the Warriors as the series gets started this evening. Game number one from the Chase Center in San Francisco. Uh, excited about that tournament, uh, that playoff uh, you know, round, and the playoffs have been fun. So we'll talk all things Lakers and Warriors coming up at the top of the hour. But right now, let's go out to the Bay. Let's talk to our guy, Lester. Welcome to the show. Lester, what's on your mind? Hey, guys, what's up? Thanks for taking the call. Yes, sir. The, uh, just want to chime in on the draft. You know, I was pleasantly surprised. I think we had a very solid draft. I think I, I think it just started off by going D-line with Tyree Wilson uh, at that spot. I know some people were upset about Carter. Uh, I wasn't upset about it. when you, After you see Seattle passing on him and the other teams in front of us, mm. um, you know, obviously with the character concerns. So I think it's, you know, Tyree Wilson, it, I love the picks of Tyree Wilson, and I love the picks of, uh, Byron Young, the two defensive linemen. Those guys, like you said, uh, Q, they both still have upside. Yep. You know, all we got to do is coach them up, get their technique going, get their hand fighting skills going, and their, their leverage going. And the sky's the limit with those two guys. And I think, you know, the lo- absolutely love the pick of Mayer in the second round. I mean, uh, the, the night after the day two, after the first night, me and my brother were talking about it. Wow, well, we should be trading up for Joey Porter or Michael Mayer. You know, and, and I'm really glad we got Mayer. That kid's a stud. Um, you know, the, the pick of, you know, the only pick I was really disappointed about was the pick of the quarterback. For me, that's just, I'm not into taking a quarterback right there to be, uh, to hope you holding a clipboard. Um, you know, maybe he turns into a decent backup. Maybe he winds up being better than Connor Cook was, right? <laughs> you know, back in the, as a backup or something like that. But for me, I much would have rather gone cornerback. I mean, you look at the board, there's a lot of corners that were still there. And I think we could have got a corner, maybe go Sewell, a linebacker, right? Or an offensive lineman. But, uh, other than that, I mean, Trey Tucker's a wild card. I think if we get that kid the ball in space, I think more than anything, that'd be great. I'm not a big guy on kick returners right now. The kick return game is pretty much non-existent in today's NFL. We got, what, 90 95% of, of touchbacks going on right now. So that's pretty much, a, you know, it's not really an art form anymore. It's non-existent. So, but other than that, I love the draft. Um, I'm hoping we, we still pick up maybe a linebacker somewhere because I think we still thin at linebacker. 
And uh, hopefully we keep on going, guys. You know, I love the pick of Brian Young upside there, and I love the other picks of uh, Ja'Cory Bennett as well. So hopefully we keep on going, and hopefully these guys keep on making improvements. Thanks. Hey, thanks for the call. Definitely appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, again, I, I, I talked about that on, when it came to the draft yesterday, that I felt like the Raiders just were really – it was solid. It was a solid draft. And I know that people want me to come in and be like, man, that was a home run. They hit it out the park and everything. They didn't. It, but it was very solid. And there's nothing wrong with getting good football players. That's, that's the thing about it. I mean, I think we've been conditioned for so long where it's, yeah, that player is, well, maybe he could be good. And, and, and at times I had to do this, and I'm guilty of it, of trying to convince myself how this player is going to fit. I look at these players that they drafted, and I see the fit. I think that's a big difference. And I think if you take a step back, and regardless of how you feel about the staff, how you feel about the long history of the Raiders not being successful, whatever the case may be, whatever holds you back from just being honest with yourself, if you, if you took a step back and just kind of look, I think that you would agree that the draft was pretty solid. You got six players on the defensive side of the ball. You got three on the offensive side of things, and two of them you feel pretty confident, confident that could do, can help out. Right, and the other only other one is is what Lester just said about the quarterback, and he, you know, either and I look, I didn't, I wasn't, no, I don't want to say on board. That's the wrong word. I was doubting the the, the quarterback as well. Like O'Connell, I'm not a big O'Connell guy because he's not mobile. But something that Rhett Lewis pointed out to me today from NFL Network, and me and JT were on the Raider Roundtable with him today, and JT asked about the O'Connell pick because he was a little, you know, questioning it as well. And he said, yeah, but the thing about it is, guys, he can develop into either a really good backup or he might end up being a starter for someone else. Like, it's a later round pick, so it's almost like a lottery ticket, right? You have this quarterback, and he, and he said, perfect example, look around the league and tell me, tell me how many quarterbacks were drafted by a certain team but are starters for other teams. And when he said that, it made sense because just because O'Connell might not be my flavor Kool-Aid or might not be your flavor Kool-Aid, he might be someone else's. You know, Jarrett Stidham, I didn't think that he was going to be a very valuable, you know, piece to another team outside of the Raiders because I thought, okay, well, he's familiar with Josh McDaniels, so there's not any other team that's going to want him. And Denver jumps up and is like, no, we'll take him, <laughs> right? Now I'm not saying he's going to be a starter, but who knows what happens if Russell Wilson doesn't pan out. You know, he, he kind of goes back to what you saw year one. Maybe all of a sudden Jarrett Stidham is really starting, and that's part of the reason why he made that decision to go to Denver. So, I mean, you could look around the league and see that. You know, I mean, Derek Carr, he was a Raider for nine years. Now he's a starter in New Orleans. I mean, just look around the league. Deshaun Watson was drafted by the Texans. He's now in Cleveland. Jimmy G was drafted by the Patriots. He went to the 49ers. Now he's a Raider. There's, there's so many examples of quarterbacks that were drafted by teams that are now starters for other teams. And, and, and the Patriots did it for years, right? They, I mean, they, they drafted a guy and then they flipped him. Matt Castle had a really good year when Brady went down. Ended up getting a big-time contract. He was okay. It wasn't great, but he ended up getting a big-time contract where the teams are able to flip him. So it's kind of it's almost like having that 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 uh you know that 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 extra get out of jail free pass. All right, you got a quarterback on the roster. Maybe he's not the guy that that you think is going to end up being your franchise quarterback, but he could turn into something. Maybe he could be something for someone else. And then you you go ahead and flip him, and now you all of a sudden have draft capital. It's just kind of another way to look at it. And it's funny, Rhett, Rhett Lewis believes that he has an opportunity to to really grow into somebody. Just because of all the adversity that he's overcame, he thinks that, you know what, that, that, that shows what he, he has in him, that his, his you know, belief in himself, his uh, you know, confidence to continue to grow and get better and, and all that. So, I, you know, again, I'm not thinking that he's going to take over and all of a sudden be some franchise dude, but, uh, I mean, you never know.
You never know what he can end up doing. What's happening? How are you doing? You never know what he could uh, end up doing on the next level as Paloma Villacana comes running by. How you doing? Yeah, you doing all right? All right? We have to have you jump on in a little while. So there you go. That's how we do it on the air. What up, <laughs> what up though? So Paloma makes her on-air appearance, and Will Willie Ramirez throws up the hands like, wait, hold on. How come I'm not getting the love? <laughs> That's how we do it over here on Radio Nation Radio, Willie. I'm just saying. <laughs> Willie Ramirez is on our sister station right now with Cofield and Company. He's giving me the look like, wait a minute, why you get the love? So that happens when you're the program director. <laughs> 3.56 at the time. Trevor Lane joins us next. LakerNation.com. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.